Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 141. What makes a shotgun a turkey hunting shotgun? And I am your host and the guy who spent about Five hours in an oak tree Sunday afternoon. No, I was not deer hunting. No, I was not hog hunting. Actually, I was up in that tree cutting branches so that I could take the tree down without the tree taking down my house, which is about as far away as what you would need to shoot your 10-yard pin on your bow, if you have a bow that shoots a 10-yard pin. So, The tree's down, the house is safe, I am safe, other than having some extremely sore legs Sunday night and Monday, all is good. So the front yard is almost ready for some dirt and some sod and then new shrubs to follow. I'm getting close to completing that project. I'm excited about that and I actually have somebody coming today to the house to give me a quote on finishing that project for me. Because I'm the kind of person that likes to tear stuff up and leave it for somebody else to clean up. And I have completely destroyed my front yard. There are no shrubs. I'm minus one probably 45 foot tall oak tree in my front yard. I have no grass in the yard. It looks like a barren desert except for the one big oak tree that's left. All right, well, you guys didn't tune in to hear about landscaping. So we're actually going to talk some guns today. And guns are always one of my favorite topics. I, as you know, am a little bit of a gun nut. I have friends and relatives, and I am sure many of you guys and many of you women listening to this show are more nutty about guns than I am. And maybe I should say nerdy about guns than I am. But we're going to talk turkey guns and turkey shotguns today. And this is a topic that was actually suggested by Jeremy Vincent back in January when I asked you guys to send in some show topic suggestions. Jeremy mentioned that he was in the market for a new turkey shotgun and he probably has bought one already. And Jeremy, if that's the case, I apologize for not getting to this topic sooner. But but this is also something that our very own Turkey Hunter podcast intern, Cameron, recently has done, and that's buy a new turkey shotgun. 
if you have the desire and you have the means to buy a turkey hunting shotgun, now is a very good time to do that because you have a lot of time to shoot the gun, to get your accessories, to make your modifications to it that you want to make before season starts. And so we're going to talk about the topic today because, as you know, Alabama is one of the first states in the country for spring turkey season to open, and we are 252 days, 10 hours, 27 minutes, and 21 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So let's jump in and get to this. And now, so a lot of you more experienced hunters and a lot of you gun nuts out there may start to drift off a little bit when I start talking about some of the basics here. And I'm going to get into those basics right now. I'm going to cover this kind of quickly because, quite honestly, you can kill a wild turkey with a rock and a slingshot. If you're a good enough shot with a slingshot and you get the turkey close enough. So when we're talking about gauge or bore and we talk about chamber length and we talk about action, those are not really things that are going to determine whether or not we can kill a turkey but they may determine whether or not we can kill a turkey at 60 yards or 10 yards or we get multiple shots at two or three turkeys or even one turkey if you're like me and like to shoot a warning shot just for the heck of it. So I'm going to cover this quickly. So hang in there with me. Gauge or bore. So a 410 is the only shotgun that is readily available today that is not measured in gauge. So the diameter of a 410 shotgun barrel is 0.41 inches. It's the only shotgun readily available measured that way. Now let's talk gauge. 10 gauge, 12 gauge, 16 gauge, 20 gauge, and 28 gauge shotguns are named such because if you take the diameter of the barrel of a 10 gauge shotgun and you make a lead ball with that exact same diameter, a perfectly round lead ball that is the same diameter as a 10 gauge shotgun barrel, it will take 10 of those lead balls that you've just made to equal one pound. And that stands the same all the way down. If you take a lead ball that's the same diameter as a 28 gauge barrel, it's going to take 28 of those lead balls to equal one pound. And that is how the gauge of those barrels is measured. The smaller the number, the larger the barrel diameter. A 10 gauge barrel has a larger diameter than a 28 gauge barrel. That being said, larger diameter shotguns are able to shoot larger diameter and longer shotgun shells for the most part and now remember i said for the most part and they're going to allow you to be able to kill turkeys at longer distances okay so let's talk chamber length most readily available shotguns today are chambered in two and a half inch two and three quarter inch three inch and three and a half inch sizes now again typically the longer the chamber of a shotgun, the more pellets and the more powder that that shotgun shell will hold and the longer distance you should be able to kill a turkey at. 
So let's talk what's readily available today in these gauges and bores in chamber length. So in a 410 bore shotgun, you're going to today be able to readily find a 2.5 inch chamber and a 3 inch chamber gun. In a 28 gauge shotgun, you're only going to find readily available a 2 and 3 quarter inch chamber gun. In a 20 gauge shotgun, you're going to find readily available a 2 and 3 quarter inch chamber and a 3 inch chamber. In a 16 gauge shotgun, you're going to readily find a 2 and 3 quarter inch chamber. In a 12 gauge, you're going to be able to find the most chamber options today of any of the shotguns. You're going to be able to find two and three quarter inch, three inch, and three and a half inch chambered shotguns readily available today and shells to go with those as well. Now a 10 gauge shotgun today, you're only going to be able to find that readily available in a three and a half inch chamber. So that is information that you're going to want to know because if you buy a three and a half inch 12 gauge shotgun, you can shoot two and three quarter inch shells, three inch shells, and three and a half inch shells. But if you buy a two and three quarter inch chamber 12 gauge, you're only going to be able to shoot two and three quarter inch shells from that gun. Again, it's all a matter of how close do you want that turkey to be before he's finally in the effective range of your shotgun. A 10 gauge shotgun chambered in three and a half inches shooting a three and a half inch shell is going to throw a lot of pellets downrange compared to a 410 bore shotgun with a two and a half inch chamber. More pellets equals more opportunities to kill. Alright, so before we move on and start talking about action on these shotguns, let's talk about chamber length and gauge or bore very quickly. The heavier gauge shotguns, the 10 gauge, 12 gauge, and 16 gauge, are going to have more recoil. The longer chambered shotguns shooting a longer shotgun shell are going to have more recoil. So for a smaller frame shooter, a 410 bore or a 28 or 20 gauge with a 2 and 3 quarter inch or a 3 inch chamber is going to provide less recoil, but also less opportunity to take a turkey at a longer range than the heavier gauge, longer chambered rounds. So if you're trying to size a shotgun for a smaller frame hunter, whether that's a child or a man or a woman who's just smaller, then go with the smaller gauge and a shorter chamber. All right, let's move on to action now. Action to me is something that really has more to do with personal preference than anything else. So action in a shotgun today. Our options are a pump action, a semi-automatic, a bolt action, or a brake action. Now a brake action actually would consist of either a double barrel or as they're called around the country side by side. An over under shotgun where you've got two barrels one on top of the other or even a single barrel, single shot shotgun. So I'm going to say this one more time, and I hope I'm not beating a dead horse here. Any of these gauge or bore shotguns with any of these chamber links with any of these actions can kill a wild turkey. 
As far as your action is concerned, it's a matter of personal preference and what you are familiar with and what you are used to shooting and what you like to shoot. When you're hunting, if you're used to shooting a semi-automatic shotgun and you all of a sudden switch over to a pump shotgun, you may find yourself having a difficult time getting a second shot at a wild turkey because you're pulling the trigger on that shotgun after the first round is fired and you have not pumped the action of the shotgun to eject the empty shell that you've just fired and load a new shell into the chamber. So in a hunting situation, you want to hunt with what you're comfortable with and what your personal preference is. Personally, I have shot semi-auto shotguns pretty much my whole life. It was not until about 10 or 15 years ago that I even owned a pump shotgun. And what I did to get myself to where I was used to shooting a pump shotgun is I took the pump shotgun that I acquired on several dove hunts. That is a great way to get yourself familiar with shooting another type of action shotgun. So we're going to talk about these again very quickly and on a very simple level. A pump shotgun is a gun that has a forearm that has to be pumped or pulled towards you in order to eject the old shell that you just fired as you pull the forearm of the gun towards you and load a new shell as you push that forearm back towards the end of the barrel of the shotgun. That's how you load that gun for a second shot or subsequent shot. A semi-auto is a semi-automatic shotgun. When properly functioning, when properly functioning, a semi-auto shotgun is going to shoot all of the shells in the magazine of the gun as long as you keep squeezing the trigger of that gun. You have to do nothing to put another shell in the chamber of that gun other than squeeze a trigger as long as you have shells in the magazine. A bolt-action shotgun is just like a bolt-action rifle where you physically have to work the bolt of the shotgun to load a new shell. It's a design that you don't see all that frequently in shotguns today, but they are still fairly readily available. A break-action shotgun is a gun actually physically breaks in half, but is held together by hinge. So the barrel of the gun breaks open, and that is where the shells are loaded is in the end of the barrel that's closest to you. The shells are loaded in there. The barrel is pushed back up. The action is closed at that point and locked, and the gun is ready to fire again. So which of these actions is best for turkey hunting? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, even though there have been a bunch of turkeys killed with double barrels or side-by-sides and over and unders, that as far as turkey guns go, they're a bit heavier and a bit more burdensome to carry around in the woods. However, if you're a blind hunter and you like to go and sit in a blind to hunt turkeys, side-by-sides and over-and-unders are great options, except for the fact that you only have the option of shooting two shells before you have to reload the gun. A single-shot shotgun is only going to give you half as many shots as a double barrel or over-under before you have to reload it. So half of two is one, as we know. Simple math there. So a single-shot shotgun, you're going to get one shot at that turkey, and you're going to have to reload the gun. That, unfortunately, sometimes can lead to a lost 
turkey, whether that's a missed turkey or one that's been injured that we are unable to recover. Now, a bolt-action shotgun is probably also not going to give you the opportunity for a very quick follow-up shot on a turkey. A semi-auto or a pump shotgun are probably going to give you the best option for follow-up shots on turkeys that may be injured or missed. So personally, I prefer either a pump action or a semi-automatic action shotgun. Okay, now I'm going to move on and we're going to talk about something that is very important, much more important than what gauge or bore, what chamber length, and what action of the shotgun that you shoot, and that is fit. The fit of your shotgun is extremely important for a couple of reasons. It's going to determine how quickly you can shoulder that shotgun to get a first shot or follow-up shot, but it's also going to determine how accurately you can shoot that gun. So length of pull is the distance from the middle of the trigger of the shotgun to the end of the butt stock. As I mentioned, length of pull is extremely important. The standard length of pull on a shotgun is about 13 and a half inches. Now, if the length of pull is too long for a hunter, in other words, you have a child or a small framed hunter who has a length of pull that is shorter than 13 and a half inches, then butt stocks are readily available online. So you could buy a shorter butt stock or you could possibly buy a less thick recoil pad or a lot of guns come with spacers between the butt stock and the recoil pad and those spacers can be removed. So I would recommend if the length of pull is too long, and that's the problem with most shotguns for a lot of people, is that that length of pull is too long and they're not able to get down on that gun and aim it as well, and they're not able to get that gun back up to their shoulder for follow-up shots as quickly as they should be. There are alternatives to shorten the buttstock of the gun. Wooden buttstocks on shotguns, or rifles for that matter, can also be cut to size. But as we know, the old saying, measure twice and cut once, once that wood is cut, it cannot be uncut. So you're going to alter the look of that gun, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say the feel of the gun as well, if you do some wing shooting. But the length of pull on that gun can be lengthened once that young shooter grows into the gun or grows out of it, it can be lengthened with spacers or a thicker recoil pad. All right, so we've talked about a length of pull that's too long. A length of pull that is too short is also easily adjusted by doing what I just mentioned, buying and installing spacers between the buttstock and the recoil pad or buying a new buttstock that is the proper length or by buying a thicker recoil pad. Okay, so what's best for turkey hunting? So the length of pull that's best for a turkey hunting shotgun is the length of pull that's best for that individual hunter. I think it's pretty important for a hunter to get sized for length of pull for a shotgun before a new shotgun is purchased. And when getting measured for length of pull, I think it's important to have on 
the hunting gear that you hunt with most often. So you guys who are up north, if you have a medium weight jacket that you hunt with most often, early in the mornings to keep you warm, then you want to get your length of pull measured with that medium weight jacket on. If it's a lightweight jacket you use, same thing. Put that lightweight jacket on and measure your length of pull or have it measured before you buy a new shotgun for turkey hunting. All right, so we're going to move on now. We're going to talk about length of barrel. Okay, back in the day, before we got all of these nice fancy chokes, and nice fancy shotgun shells. Length of barrel of a shotgun was kind of a big deal. We're not gonna talk about that right now because we're not there. We are in today. And today, the length of the barrel of your shotgun will not have a huge effect on how that gun patterns or the velocity of the shot coming out of that shell. The length of the barrel today is important in how that gun balances. A longer barrel gun swings better on moving targets. So if you're doing wing shooting, a longer barrel is better, which means it's better in an open dove field or on a crop or CRP field or in a duck blind. But that does not mean it's better in the turkey woods. Shotguns today with short barrels shoot just as accurately, they pattern just as tightly, and they shoot just as fast as guns with longer barrels. The benefit of using a gun in the turkey woods today with a shorter barrel is they're much, 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 much more maneuverable in the turkey woods than a gun with a long barrel. Another benefit, it's less movement in the turkey woods for a wild turkey to see when you're moving that shotgun those last couple of inches to get the barrel on that turkey's head there's less movement because you've got less barrel now if you're buying a gun that's going to be used for turkeys and waterfowl and upland or migratory birds then you may want to choose a longer 24 26 inch barrel but if you're going to buy a gun and designate that gun for turkeys only then a 20 to 24 inch barrel is ideal you can move around a lot easier in the woods with that gun over your shoulder and you can maneuver that gun around for a shot a lot easier as well and we haven't even talked about weight Obviously, a shorter barrel shotgun is going to have less weight. Less weight equals a less tired turkey hunter at the end of the day. I'm all about that. My recommendation as far as a turkey hunting shotgun goes is for us to not get tied into the old adage of longer is better when it comes to barrel length of shotguns in turkey hunting. Okay, barrel constriction. So... Man, this is a topic in and of itself. Chokes limit or constrict the barrel's diameter, thus affecting how tightly the shot or pellets or pattern stays together downrange. Now, most turkey guns, if they shoot a barrel that has a fixed choke on it, that does not have the option or ability to interchange chokes, most turkey guns are going to have a full, an extra full, or a turkey choke in them. In fact, most turkey guns 
that even do have those interchangeable chokes are going to need a full or extra full or a turkey choke in them. So determining which constriction of choke you need for turkeys depends on your gun, your shotgun shells, and here we go again, the maximum distance that you want to shoot at a wild turkey. All right, we're going to dig in this a little bit deeper because barrel constriction greatly affects our pattern depending on what type of shot is in the turkey shells that we're shooting. A shotgun shell with lead shot typically requires a tighter choke constriction, while a denser or heavier shot, something like a tungsten super shot, which we talked about a few episodes ago, typically shoots better from a more open constriction choke than lead shot likes to come out of. So where do you start? Well, it's your choice, really. If you don't mind paying 5 to $15 per turkey shotgun shell that you buy, then those heavier, more dense shot shells, like a tungsten steel shot, can deliver more pellets downrange because you can shoot smaller shot with the same or greater foot-pounds of energy delivered downrange at your target with less deformity in that shot, with less deformity in that pellet than you can with lead shot. Lead's very soft and it's easily deformed. And as it comes down the barrel and it's bouncing off of the barrel and it's bouncing off of the other pellets that are coming down the barrel with it, that shot becomes deformed. And when it becomes deformed, it does not fly as true as shot that is not deformed. But if you prefer to pay a dollar to five dollars per shotgun shell, then you may want to stick with lead or copper plated lead shot. Let your shot type help you determine the approximate choke constriction for your barrel. Now, from that point, it's a matter of doing research online, and this is very, very, very important at the range as well to determine which choke and constriction shoots best from your gun. So I'm going to give you a place where you can start your research on that. If you go to nitrocompany.com, that's N-I-T-R-O-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y.com, then click Recommendations. You should be able to find the make and model of your gun and look to see which choke typically shoots best in that gun and which constriction of choke as well. Oh, and they're also going to tell you which shells shoot best in that gun. Now, Nitro Company makes their own shotgun shells as well, so you're going to see a lot of those listings are going to have Nitro Company shells as being the ones that pattern the best out of the gun with any particular choke. So just a heads up on that, but it's a great way to start to get a good idea of which choke and which constriction shoots best in your shotgun. All right, let's talk about sights. Sights are very important. Without a sight, it's kind of hard to point a gun. You can look down the barrel of that shotgun, and when we are shooting moving animals, that's what we want to do. But typically, with wild turkeys, we want to aim our shotguns. So, sight options available to us include a front bead on the shotgun, a front and rear bead on a shotgun, 
And now those can be either fiber optic beads or metal beads. We have the option of putting rifle sights on our shotgun, and those can be either fiber optic or metal. We have the option of putting a holographic sight on our shotgun, and we have the option of putting a scope on the shotgun as well. So, again, which is best? This is going to go to personal preference, and it's also going to go to what you're comfortable with. Personally, I like rifle sights on my turkey hunting shotgun. Reason being, it lets me know where the anchor point is for the butt of that gun on my shoulder in order for me to be able to know if I'm aiming high or low. A gun with a front bead only does not always give us that option. We have the ability with the front bead only to look down the barrel and then put the bead on the turkey's head. The problem with that is human nature. And human nature is when we put that front bead on a turkey's head and we're looking down the barrel, we can't see that turkey other than his head. And what do we want to do when we shoot? We want to see what happens. So typically we'll raise our head up just a little bit. And when we do that, when our cheek comes off the barrel of the gun and we are no longer looking down the barrel of the gun, we're going to typically miss that turkey. I like having rifle sights or a front and rear bead on a shotgun because a rear sight or that rear bead gives me that anchor point, that reference point of knowing I've got the barrel of that gun pointed perfectly at the target. Now, something that's cool. A holographic sight eliminates all that. In fact, with a holographic sight, if you can see the holograph inside that sight, you don't even have to have the gun on your shoulder. That gun is going to shoot whatever that holograph is on. If that gun is off of your shoulder, but the holograph is still on that turkey's head when you squeeze the trigger, that gun is going to hit, assuming it's sighted in, that gun is going to hit where the holograph is on that sight. So that's something that's kind of cool because you could actually raise your gun up if you needed to or lower your gun a little bit if you needed to. The gun doesn't have to be perfectly on your shoulder, anchored in the right spot with your cheek on the buttstock of the gun in the exact spot, and it gives you a little bit of room for play. What I don't like about most holographic sights is that they require batteries, and they require you turning them on, and they require you turning them off. There are some very, very nice and very expensive holographic sights out there that do not require batteries and do not require you to turn them off. I'm just not a big fan of paying as much for a sight for a shotgun as I am for the shotgun itself. That's my personal preference. A shotgun scope is also a great option for a turkey because as long as you can see the reticle inside that scope and you've got that on the turkey's head, then that gun's going to shoot at what you see in the scope. Scopes are very good options for those people who have that natural tendency to want to pull up off of the butt of the gun and look at the target while they're shooting. That field of view inside that scope gives you the ability to see your target before, during, and the recoil hasn't knocked you on your rear end after the shot. Speaking of recoil, 
we're going to talk about recoil pads. But before I do, I'm going to say again that as far as what sight is best for your turkey gun, it's a matter of personal preference and what you shoot best with. A scope or a holographic sight is going to add more weight to your gun, and for some people that can be a problem. All right, so let's talk more about recoil and recoil pads. Many guns today come with very stiff recoil pads from the factory. I don't know why. It makes no sense to me. If I'm going to pay $300 for a brand new shotgun, or if I'm going to pay $1,500 for a brand new shotgun, I don't want a stiff recoil pad on that shotgun. In the aftermarket today, there are many softer and more shock-absorbing recoil pads that can help make shooting those heavier gauge shotguns with those longer shotgun shells, the 3-inch and 3.5-inch shotgun shells, more tolerable. And, this is big, help us to acquire the target quicker for any follow-up shots that are needed. Personally, I have taken off the recoil pad on both my 20 gauge and 12 gauge shotguns and replaced those with a Limb Saver AirTech recoil pad. And I absolutely love it. I love that recoil pad on those shotguns. It has drastically reduced the recoil from those guns. Alright, so now I want to talk about something that I think that we can actually cover in another episode by itself. And what I'm talking about are modifications. Now, we can modify the looks and functionality of our shotguns, of our turkey shotguns, with aftermarket parts. Like I mentioned, like recoil pads, choke tubes, replacement stocks, camo dipping, sights, scopes, adding sling swivels, etc., etc., etc. There are countless options, and we are very fortunate today in that there are countless options. But those are not the types of modifications that I want to talk about now. The types of modifications that I want to talk about now are modifications that a gunsmith will typically need to perform on our turkey hunting shotguns, like back boring, porting the barrel, or lengthening the forcing cones. All right, so let me explain what these are a little bit. So back boring. A lot of hunters and shooters say that back boring is a good way to reduce recoil from your shotgun and to improve your shot patterns as well. So what happens with back pouring a shotgun is that the bore of the gun is actually opened to a larger diameter than when it was originally manufactured. The reason for doing that is a larger bore diameter is going to reduce the friction of the shot charge against the barrel wall. Instead of trying to overcome that friction, the powder gases are going to use more energy on the wad of the shell and that's going to result in an increase in your shot velocity and because you're opening up the barrel the the size of that bore there's less deformed pellets as well and remember what i said the fewer the deformed pellets the better your pattern is going to be so now that we know what back boring is here are my thoughts on it i don't feel like Backboring your turkey hunting shotgun is going to improve your pattern so much more than finding the ideal choke. All right, now let's talk about porting. Supporting so a shotgun is actually just having holes drilled into the barrel 
near the end of the shotgun barrel. And what these holes do is these holes allow the gases that are created from the burning of that gunpowder inside that barrel to escape. And what it does is it actually reduces the recoil and it will reduce your muzzle climb as well. So it should enable us to get back onto our target a little quicker. There's a downside to porting. Porting will make your shotgun much louder and it's also going to give you a more visible flash from the explosion going on inside that barrel when the shotgun's fired. And as you know, we all like to call those turkeys in right off the roost, even though it doesn't always happen that way. But when you have that flash of light, once you fire your gun, you may find it a little bit hard to acquire that target on the second shot, even if you have less recoil from your porting. So I am not a huge fan of porting a shotgun. Porting a rifle, I think is much different and I think is much better suited for hunting than porting a shotgun. All right, the other thing that we can have done to our guns is we can have the forcing cones lengthened in our shotgun. So lengthening the forcing cones in a shotgun is just what it sounds like. But what is a forcing cone? So a forcing cone is that area in the shotgun barrel that's just in front of the chamber or just past, if you're holding the gun, just past the end of the shotgun shell. It's that area that directs the shot into the bore, into the barrel. That's the forcing cone. Now in most shotguns today, the forcing cone is short and it's at a steep angle. And because of that, it forces those shotgun pellets very quickly, very abruptly, and very violently into the bore. That creates a more erratic shot, more erratic pattern downrange. By lengthening that forcing cone, what you're doing is you're making that angle going into the bore not as steep, and you're lessening that angle. So when you lessen that angle, you're allowing those pellets in your shot to more gently follow that angle into the bore of the shotgun. And that'll help to reduce the amount of pellets that are deformed from your shot. Now there are a lot of people that swear by lengthening forcing cones and how it improves their patterns. I'm gonna say this about all three of these gunsmithing modifications that we can make to our turkey hunting shotguns. And I'm actually going to have a gunsmith on the show. We're gonna talk about these three things in more detail and maybe the gunsmith can change my mind. You know, I, I'm trying to stay open-minded here, but here are my thoughts about these three things that we, these three modifications that we can make to our shotguns. Save your money. Take the money that you would spend on these three modifications or even one of these three modifications and spend that money on finding the right choke and shotgun shell combination. If we'll take the time to go sit out on the range and shoot a bunch of different chokes in our gun and run a bunch of different types of shells, both shot size, length, and brand through those chokes, I think we can find a good enough pattern to do what we want to do with our guns, which is to kill turkeys. And for most of us, we want the opportunity to be able to take one at a longer range if we need to. 
like I said, that's my two cents on these modifications that can be made by a gunsmith, but I do want to get a gunsmith on the show, and we're going to talk about those modifications in a little bit more detail and let you guys make up your own minds about whether or not it's worth the expense to do it. All right, the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to what makes a turkey gun a turkey gun is, believe it or not, what matters the most to turkeys. Did I save the best for last? I don't know. We'll see. That is looks. The looks of our gun are what matters the most to wild turkeys. There are a ton of options out there when it comes to how a turkey gun looks. There are wooden stocks and synthetic stocks. There are camoed guns. There are black guns. And I'm going to tell you that, again, you can kill a turkey with any gun, no matter what it looks like. But personally, I think we can spook a lot fewer turkeys and kill a lot more turkeys with a gun that's either all black and with a dull finish or a gun that is completely camoed and has a dull finish to it. In the turkey woods, I like to shy away from anything shiny that's visible to a turkey. On those bright sunny spring days, it can be like flashing a mirror at an airplane flying by to have a traditional shiny finish wooden stock with a shiny blued barrel on that gun. So if we can go with dull, something that reflects very little light and either a camo or black, we're going to come out a lot better. Now, personally, both of my guns are black. Black synthetic stocks and black dull blued barrels. I prefer synthetic stocks over wood stocks because I am very tough on my hunting gear. I hunt very hard. I will drag a gun through the mud. I will bang it on rocks and I will bang it on trees. I don't care. I will bang a gun off of a turkey's head if I have to. I don't care. When I buy something, I typically buy the best that I can buy, that I can afford to buy, because I know I'm going to abuse it and I want it to be able to withstand the abuse that I'm going to give it. I like a synthetic stock on a shotgun because I'm going to abuse it. I love a beautiful wood stock on a shotgun to look at. There's nothing prettier. A gun with a beautiful piece of wood on it is a work of art that I don't want to take into the turkey woods. I want to look at it. I don't want to use it because I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. If I take a gun in the turkey woods, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to drop it on rocks and bang it against trees. It's just going to happen. All right. The key there, though, is the more that we can do to break up our pattern and break up the pattern of our gun, the fewer turkeys that we're going to spook. Camo synthetic stocks with low or no glare are going to spook fewer turkeys, and I'm going to say give us the opportunity to kill more turkeys than any other stock and gun available. Okay, so I think that I have covered just about everything that I can cover when it comes to what makes a turkey shotgun a shotgun. The only thing that I haven't touched on, and I think it hopefully goes without saying, is you probably want a sling for your turkey shotgun if you're going to do a lot of walking. So, sling swivels on a shotgun, in my eyes, are very important. 
So that's all that I've got for you guys today as far as shotguns are concerned and what makes a shotgun a turkey hunting shotgun. So here's what I want you to do. Snap a picture of your turkey hunting shotgun and email it to me, andy at iamturkeyhunting.com and give me the lowdown. What make, what model, what shell shoots best in it, and what choke, if you have interchangeable chokes, shoot best in it. Send that over to me. I would love to see what you guys are taking in the woods and unleashing havoc on the turkey population with. So I hope that this topic was helpful for some of the new turkey hunters out there and some of the new hunters, period. You know, about this time last year, we had Jenna on the show, and she was not only new to turkey hunting, but she was new to hunting. And so an episode like this, I feel like, will help out those new hunters and new turkey hunters as well. And for you experienced hunters out there, I apologize if I bored you a little bit with today's episode, but I felt like it's something that probably needed to be covered. And like I said, we're going to dig into some of the modifications that a gunsmith can make to our guns in an upcoming episode very soon. But in the meantime, I'm signing off. I'm going to let you guys go for the week. But before I let you go, you know I'm going to ask you for one favor. My one favor this week is this. Please go find the episode for this week's show on social media. You can go to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Hunting, and share this week's episode on your Facebook page. You can also retweet this episode on Twitter. That would be a huge help as well. That's it. That is my one favor that I'm asking of you guys for this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.